Hello, and welcome to the episodic audiobook series where I, Con Lavery, read to you books that I wrote, narrated, and did the improv music for. I'm kind of mashing together all of my interests into one uh, transmedia storytelling experience. I go on about what that means in the Patreon, where the macrocosm is being explored, and uh, cultivate Seed Me Relapse Edition, the book we are covering this season, takes place in the macrocosm. So if you haven't caught episode one, you're going to be lost. Basically, Logan is a deadbeat. And for those who, (laughs) it's just, that's it. He's a deadbeat, nothing else. Uh, Those who are following since the first episode, you know what's going on. To recap from episode six, uh, Logan and Janet kind of had a little bit of a heart to heart. And uh, he's realizing she might be one of the good people and she might actually be able to help him. She's smarter than she first let on uh, at the bar when they met in chapter one. That might be helpful for Logan trying to uh, figure out why his past is coming back to haunt him with these creepy guys in black robes that are seeming to make references related to the 420 drain case where his ex-girlfriend died. Let's find out what happens next because Logan is going all the way down the rabbit hole just like when he did at the beginning uh, when he first found out about his ex-girlfriend's death. His friends are going to love him. Chapter 7 It's on the internet, so it must be true. I'm flying. Clouds are everywhere. There's the curvature of the earth. It's burning bright. The blue shifts into hues of orange and... We will grow. Red. It's in pain. It's turning brown. Soil. I'm falling. We will grow. A gentle landing on the velvet soil eases my worries. Dozens of ghostly hands scurry from the earth, coming for me. I can't run. I I try, for I have no legs. The hands swirl around my torso. Wrapping around my form, they raise me higher above the charcoal ground. They force my gaze upon a goliath, black and red flower floating in the dark gray sky. Its roots dangle to the earth. There's a doorway in the flower's core, with flames bursting between the doorframe cracks. The cloudy sky drips dark red liquid, and the vine hands release me. I fall, hitting the mud. It's too thick. I cannot get up. This isn't rain, it's blood that I'm sinking into. The world mother's will, her children's roots. I gasp, fear-struck, sitting up on my bed. Sweat drips down my face and onto my chest. I must be getting sick. It's a bad dream, just a bad dream. Stress, yeah, that's all it is. My head throbs and not the usual kind of headache from partying. This is something else. New. My mouth is filled with molasses saliva with the taste of blood. I wobble over to the bathroom and spit remnants of blood, then take a leak. Shit. Even my piss is off. It stings, like kidney stones. But I try not to overthink it. Not to mention, my limbs are weak. I must have gotten food poisoning. Weirdness aside, it's early in the morning and I need a coffee to help fuel me for my last bite at these drain cases. There's a cafe, Good Earth, just down 99th. I throw on some clothes, shoes, and I'm halfway done my coat just as a loud knock knock 
comes from the door. Who the hell is that? Opening the door, I see the large, tubby, short guy in a stained shirt. Larry, the landlord. Great, just who I want to see. Oh, hey there, Logan, Larry says. Sup, I say, putting on my coat. I was just fixing the faucet for Mrs. Theodore on the floor below. She's such a nice lady, hey? Real shame about her husband. Totally. Mr. Theodore died ages ago. I can't remember because it doesn't matter. And she was saying she heard screaming coming from above? Lots of shouting. He's referencing my unit. Really? That's crazy. Yeah, I was curious if you knew anything or heard anything. Here he goes, sidestepping, I say. Screaming? Like what kind of screams? A man for sure, maybe shouting. It was really early in the morning, I think four or something. It's just she needs her sleep and I hope there's nothing unusual going on in the building. Nah, Larry, I can't say I know about it, I say, stepping out of my apartment and locking it. Okay, well if you do, just let me know. We don't want any trouble in this nice and quiet apartment. Lots of old people and families here. There are four old people and five families in a 30 unit building. The rest are losers like Skip and me. Sure thing, Larry. Have a good one, I say, leaving the apartment. The shouting or screaming is me, without a doubt. The gnarly dreams are the only thing I can think of, unless there was some bum outside. It's stress, no money, and no job. That's all. I hike to the cafe and take my place in line. The wait can be a while when the cafe is busy and they're understaffed, like today. To pass the time, I pull out my smartphone to check the news. Edmonton Journal's website. What? The top story sinks my stomach. Local man falls victim to drain killer. The article is accompanied by a photo of a burly man with spiky hair. That's bro, from the aging gorilla. I swipe to read more. The body of local man Drew Chapman was found by authorities in the river valley early this morning after a call to police by Drew's friends, who claimed they had lost him during a late night walk. Later, the group allegedly came upon the remains of the 26-year-old man who had puncture marks all throughout his body in ring formations. This is a familiar pattern to the police, who have seen previous victims found with the same markings. The occurrence has become so common, these cases are known as drain victims. What can I get you? calls the barista. The article continues but I put my phone in my pocket and order an Americano. This Drew guy died, just how Emily did. They both had their blood sucked dry in puncture marks. I need answers. The thought diarrhea system everyone uses will offer new insight. The internet, down the rabbit hole I go. Back at my apartment, I hurry to my room. Skip isn't home yet, knowing him. He's either passed out or doing more blow with Alex, the partying shit I want to be doing. But here I am, haunted by my past. Even my slow, paperweight laptop disturbs me. It's the one Emily got us for our first anniversary. She really did care, despite not knowing computers. Maybe Vicky and the old man resurrecting my interest is a good thing. It's an opportunity for me to find some closure. It's not like I can ever win her back now. It's kind of a crazy thought, but what other answer is there? Is the past week just a wild series of coincidences? Shit happens, Skip's voice echoes. It's exactly what he would say if I asked him. The web browser opens and I surf the web. Drew Chapman is taking up all the news sites, with each article saying the same thing. 
Not much here. Maybe I can find some info on Vicky Smith from social media searches. There are lots of profiles showing on the search. She does have a common name. I try a few social sites, even some video sites. Scroll, scroll, nothing. Wait, hold on. There's one video titled Vicky, Joanne, and Rebecca. Graduation night, Grant McEwen. That's a university in town. The preview image shows a thin, pale girl with black hair beside two other girls, a blonde and a brunette. I click play. The cameraman is shaky as hell. He's trying to focus on the three girls with drinks in their hands. Ladies, you've graduated, says the cameraman. Woo, the three cheer. The audio and video quality is lacking from the static party noise and the dim lighting. Still, I'm locked on the pale girl with black hair, eyeing her mannerisms. She has the same hairstyle. She's pale, just no trench coat. She's pretty damn close to the Vicky lookalike weirdo. It's a relatively dull video, them celebrating grad, and I'm surprised it is publicly available for anyone to view. Then again, the uploader is probably too stupid to make it private. The cameraman zooms in on the black-haired girl, who sips a white wine. Vicky, so you're a professional now, out in the real world. What wisdom do you have to share with us? He asks. Ha ha ha. The girls laugh as Vicky raises an eyebrow. Well, she says in a squeaky voice, I have no idea. Why are you dropping that on me, Craig? The cameraman laughs, shaking the camera. Squeaky voice. I recall a pair at the party mentioning Vicky's voice. They weren't kidding. The rest of the video doesn't have much on Vicky in it. It follows Craig, the camera guy, around as he wandered throughout the large ballroom. The video was uploaded several months ago and currently has about 4,000 views. There are comments too, with timestamps as recent as today. RIP Vicky, six hours ago. She will be missed, sending thoughts and prayers to her family two days ago. Her killer will be given the penalty that sick, lifeless scum deserves. Four days ago. That's totally Vicky. Not a helpful find, but I know she was normal at one point in time. The weirdo at the Empress was not like that at all. I keep searching Vicky Smith, finding more news reports about the murder itself. Funny how they all report the same stuff, isn't it? There are results beyond that. Her name shows up on a couple of sites, such as a local soccer team lineup. There's something about her being a top blood donor in a volunteer committee. Sounds like she was a nice girl. There are no photos. Useless. On to the next. Donald Waite, the truck driver. Like Vicky, there are lots of news reports and photos of him driving the truck. There are even some videos online from the people at the Empress during the arrest. Wait. Something different is on the search results. One link is titled, Young Man's Body Found Near Bow River. The subdescription reads, Ron Waite, a young Calgary man, was found dead, brutally murdered. His father, Donald Waite, shares his thoughts with us. I click the link, taking me to the Calgary Herald. It's the news for Calgary, the city south of Edmonton. It has a photo of a young man with red hair and freckles. He's wearing a white crew neck t-shirt and is smiling. A description below reads, Ron Waite. The article reads, Young man's body found near Bow River, Mark Sams, Calgary Herald. Published on May 17, 2009. Last updated May 17, 2009, 9.59 p.m. MDT. Just northeast of city limits, a man's body was found brutally dismembered. 
It was at first believed to be caused by a drunk driving incident. The vehicle driver was 25-year-old Mike Johnson, who had never been under the influence of alcohol at the time. He was driving home when he claims a man ran in front of the road and hit him. Mike called the authorities as the man ran into the woods, vanishing. Later, the police discovered his mangled body. The coroner's close examination, it was shown that the body of the man, identified as Ron Waite, was covered in puncture holes with the blood drained from his body. The investigation has since been turned over to the homicide department. The police investigated Mike Johnson, but found no weapons of any kind in his vehicle, area, or home. Ron Waite's father was interviewed shortly after the discovery of his son's death. Donald Waite, a professor at the University of Calgary specializing in biology, commented, I cannot believe anyone would do this to my son. I'm fairly confident that Mike did not do this. You'd have to be a real twisted kind of person, or not a person at all. The police are awaiting the results of an autopsy. They commented that they are aware of the drain cases and are not ruling out any possible scenarios. The article was written well over six years ago, and I've never seen it. I'm not sure how I overlooked this case when I first dug into the drain cases. Wrong city? Too far back? Who knows? I try to find any follow-up reports on Ron Waite's case, but there is no information. It's like the case was dropped, or the news lost interest. Donald's son died like Emily and Drew. Donald might know more about the drain cases than the police. No other drain case has had a truck. Now, I wonder if he took Vicky's body from the place of death. Was he cleaning up the mess? Donald Waite might have been looking into the drain victim cases after his son was killed, which brought him here, in jail. There isn't any additional information about Donald Waite, other than he had left his job at the university after his son's death. I have to book time to meet this guy. Tattoo designs aren't my specialty, and searching for floral tattoo gets you thousands of search results. My searches shift into tattoos on necks, like my two stalkers and the design on Vicky Lookalike's coat. Skip tattoos, but primarily skulls and badass stuff. More specific, that old guy at the farmer's market. I visit the farmer's market website and view their list of vendors. The page has tons of subcategories dividing the types of vendors by industry. It takes some time to sift through. Eventually, I find some potential candidates in the farm produce and the garden sections. I click every vendor name for more information. Each list has a name, a photo, and a brief description of what they sell. Lame. After about five vendors, I click one called Northern Delights. The photo is of the old man's booth with the seed samples. The old prick isn't in the photo. Its description states, Originating from pioneers of Scotland and passed down for generations, the Northern Delights bring their homegrown goods from their farm in the Northwest Territories. They offer one-of-a-kind local organic seeds, plants, and vegetables, and are famous for their 13-seed remedy, often referred to as one of the lost superfoods. 13-seed remedy is the exact phrase the old man used about his seeds. It's not much info. At least I have this freak's vendor name. Lots of deaths and no answers. So far, Donald Wade is my best bet at finding anything helpful. I open the Edmonton Journal site again as I down the rest of my coffee. For a few moments, I stare at the photo of Drew Chapman. I need closure with Emily. Now, I am concerned for my own safety. That old man said some creepy shit last night. His words weren't technically a threat, but man. Keys jingle from the hall as the doorknob twists open. 
followed by stomping. I need a break from this. Yo! I shout, closing the laptop. In my kitchen, Skip is scurrying around through the fridge to find something to snack on. Hey man, Skip says. His eyes are bloodshot with bags under them. The mohawk is a broken mess. Exactly how I would have looked if I stayed at the party. Minus the mohawk, obviously. What's up? I ask. Starving. We never have anything around here. What happened to you last night? Didn't want to party? Janet. That hippie kissed my cheek. Huh. I think about asking Skip. She's kind of cool. Smart too when she puts the bar star act aside. Skip seems over her. I could see if she wants to... No. I got important problems to deal with right now. Shit got weird. And I just decided to go home. I said. Yeah? More stuff with your mystery empress girl? Actually, yes. It's a bit to take in. I'm on a bit of a high still. Alex and I blazed before I came back. So anything you've got to share is good. Oh great. Is Skip going to make fun of me? He's been on a roll since the shit went down. Then again, maybe I could use some rational ears to listen to me. With regret, I spit out what happened last night, like I told Janet. Skip is right. He is high, and far easier to talk with. I tell him every detail of Big and Burly, Drew Chapman, and the alleyway. I say I vomited, but I keep the voices out of the story. He says stuff like, spooky, and get out of here, especially after I tell him about Drew's body being reported on the news. Look, Skip says, you weren't in the right headspace at all last night. You didn't even stick around for more lines. That's because I'm freaked out, man, I say. Okay, so, let's say this is all true. These tattooed guys are obviously not fucking around. Why get involved with this? Well, they keep showing up. I don't think I have a choice. Stay low, let it blow by, Skip says. Can't be certain. Don't know until you try. Unless you're going to do this because of Emily. I say nothing. Still? You did this all last year, Skip says. I know, I know. That's why I'm going to meet that Donald guy. Maybe get some sort of answers, then stay on the low. Who? That guy who was driving the truck. I'm going to book time to see if I can ask him a few questions. I want to put an end to this. You want my advice? I think you should rest on it for a day or two. Decide if you really want to get involved again. It sounds like a big mess that you could avoid. I want to act while the trail is hot. Dude, the pigs are probably chatting with the Donald guy right now and have gotten all the info he has. True. Relax, man. Worldly advice. Yet, there's no way I can relax. I need answers, and Donald Waite is my best bet. Gotta love Skip for keeping uh, Logan level-headed. Even though he's not, you gotta appreciate his efforts, because... Skip has no idea what's going on, and from an outside perspective, Logan does sound pretty uh, kooky, but Logan is onto something, and as he saw online, Vicky was once a real girl. Uh, not anymore. Not the one she, he met uh, in, in Chapter 1. Pretty weird. So now he's going to meet Donald Waite, the guy who drove the truck that had Vicky's corpse. Oh, it's getting intense. We'll find out what happens in Episode 8, or you can find out how the whole story happens with the audiobook, the ebook, or the print version on all the major distributors like Amazon, Kobo, Auditable, uh, Google, all of it, Apple. And if you want more short stories, you can check out the Patreon, where the macrocosm continues to expand with stories monthly.
Take care, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Ciao.